Praise the name of the Lord. It's good to be in the house of the Lord with you tonight. It's been a while since I've had the privilege to stand here and address this congregation. And as always, only with the Lord's help can I do it tonight. Uh, the Lord has laid something on my mind and my heart, and tonight I want to share with the church, this church, and uh, believe that God has spoken and God desires to speak to your hearts as well. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Genesis, chapter 28, verse 16. And the scripture says, Then Jacob awoke from his sleep and said, Surely the Lord is in this place. And I didn't know it. First Thessalonians 5 and 6, I want to tie to that. So then let us not sleep as others do, but let us be alert and sober. In the hour in which we live and in the days to come and the things which are going to be coming our way, I want to tonight express a concern for the church that we not be found asleep, but we will be awakened. And that we don't find ourselves in a place to where when the Lord is in this place, that we don't know it. You see, I believe God is moving in our nation when so many others don't. I believe his presence is resonating, even as many sleep spiritually. And regardless of all the opposition chaos in our nation, I believe God is still moving. I believe even when we don't see it, he's working. I believe he never stops working. I believe he's here. But I also believe due to the oppression of this hour caused by the greatest adversary of the church, there is a lack of pursuit or a hunger for God or the things of God. That the church has gone into a survival mode, every man for himself, every man doing what they believe is right in their own eyes, and we are being blinded by our circumstances in an hour when the church should be thriving, but we're simply just surviving. Oh, come on. Lift up your head, O daughter of Zion. Wake up out of your sleep and your slumber, for the Lord is in this place. So many are asking, God, where are you at in these tough times, these tough circumstances we're facing? Maybe he's not in the politics. Maybe you don't see him in the economy. Maybe he's not in the government. And because of the fact that that is the place we're looking for him at, we're missing him all along while he's right here in this place where he dwells in my heart, in your heart, and we're missing it. Surely he's in this place, and we didn't even know it. And I'll tell you this. There's more of a despair movement happening instead of a faith movement going on due to it. I believe many of them resided to their feet, and for many, they have down, are down to religious activity at the most. But I believe an awakening is beginning to take place, that there is a season of his visitation taking place at this very moment, and my concern is if we're not careful, we'll miss the hour of his visitation. Due to our frustrations, due to our circumstances, due to all this chaos that surrounds us, which will be detrimental to our lives considering the conditions our nation's in and the place and time we're in speaking of the end times. That's why someone has got to stand up in the pulpits of America and declare God is still God in spite of it all. A bad economy don't stop God from being God. A, bad, a worldwide pandemic don't stop God from being God. A bad election result don't stop God from being God. 
A death of a loving don't stop God from being God. A divorce doesn't stop God from being God. His presence has not left this earth. He has not left us. He promised he never would leave us nor forsake us. His glory fills this earth. So I declare surely his presence is in this place in spite of it all. And I still stand as a prophetic voice that declared to you some time back that darkness shall surround us, but in the midst of it all, his light, his church shall shine forth. And it shall pierce the darkness of this present age. It shall be a city set on a hill, a light into a dark world, a refuge for his people. And now the abundance of the hearts of his people shall we declare to the whole world, our God still reigns. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I'm going to take us to a text that I believe is relative to my point tonight. Uh, how I believe this season will play out in our lives. How many know that when there is a visitation of God's presence and we don't recognize it, nor do we receive it, it grieves the heart of God. When he desires to move and we refuse to. When we're bound in fear and we set spiritually paralyzed. Let's turn to Luke 19, verse 41 through 44. The scripture says, now, as he drew near, come on, somebody, talking about his presence, he saw the city, Jerusalem, and wept over it, saying, if you had known, even you, even you, Jim, even you, Bill, even you, Rhonda, especially in this, your day, the things that make for your peace, but now they are hidden from your eyes. For days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment around you, surround you, and close you in on every side. Is that not what I prophesied? Darkness will surround us and level you and your children within you to the ground. I believe we're in a day and time just like that now. And they, speaking of the enemy, will not leave you in one stone upon another. Why? Because you, you, you did not know the time of your visitation. Here Jesus is riding on a donkey prophetically into Jerusalem, a city he loved, which housed a people that he loved. How many believe that God loves the city of Popper Bluff? Upon approaching it, knowing his time was about up, the season of his actual presence was about to be over, he begins to weep over the city. When it says city, I believe he's referring more so to the people than just the actual city. You see, the city is the people, just like the church is the people, and it's not this building. He began to weep for those who did not recognize the divine visitation of his presence here on earth. So many had rejected him. So many had falsely accused him. So many had criticized him and even harmed him. Yet while doing so, they had a divine appointment with God, and they missed it. The fact that he was the son of God, who left the splendor of heaven to dwell amongst us here on earth. Although some had accepted him as Messiah, so many others had not. Although many had experienced his time on earth as a move of God, so many never did. Many missed an opportunity to experience his presence. It's so true still today. So many being led to believe because of the economy isn't good and the election went bad and sickness is all around us, God is not. The heathens rage and mock us, where is your God? to the point of believing your to even causing many to doubt and fear to the point of inciting a great falling away. When all along he's nearer than you think, he described his presence as being closer than a brother. 
He promised you draw nigh to me and I will draw nigh to you. Did he not? As long as he was right here, right in here, is this not where he says his spirit dwells? Oh, we all would agree with that on a good day, but what about on a bad day? God don't check out when things get hard. We do. It's his desire to show himself strong on our behalf to be our very present help in times of trouble. He's kept no secrets from us. He said in the last days, perilous times will come. But he also said in the last days, I will pour out my spirit upon all flesh and out of your bellies will flow rivers of living water. We're not speaking by faith in an hour that faith is to be the, thy words that we speak. We're murmuring, we're complaining, and we're spreading discord among our brethren. The first thing I want to establish is that we understand that God moves upon the earth and upon his people. He loved his people then. He loves them now. He moved then and he still moves now. All throughout history, there have been divine visitations upon nation after nation that lasted for a season. His spirit has been moving upon this earth since the beginning of the earth's existence. In Genesis 1, it declares this. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was out form and void and darkness on the face of the deep. And the spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. In the beginning of time, God's spirit had moved upon the earth in its darkest moment. It said darkness was on the earth and it was without form and void. Then God said, let there be light and there was light. God's spirit moved upon the earth then and we need his spirit to move upon the earth once again. In one of the darkest times of our nation has faced, we need his light to shine upon us. We need a move. Since that time, God's spirit has not only moved upon this earth, but numerous occasions he's moved upon man. I think of how he moved upon the earth and Noah in the Genesis 6, verse 5 through 8. Then the Lord saw that wickedness of man was great in the earth, and that every intent of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And the Lord was sorry that he had made man on the earth, and he was grieved in his heart. He was grieved. So the Lord said, I will destroy man whom I have created from the face of the earth, both man and beast, creepy thing, and birds of the air, for I am sorry that I have made them. This is the Bible. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. When God was about to destroy the earth because of the abundant evil upon it, the Spirit of God moved upon one man, instructing him to build an ark that would rescue him and his family. In 1 Kings and 2 Kings tell of how God moved upon Israel and the heart of a 16-year-old boy named Josiah, who became king during a time his nation had abandoned God. But upon him discovering the word, he had it read proclaimed throughout the nation that they would serve God again. The Spirit of God moved upon him to repair the temple and reestablish his word. In doing so, Israel experienced one of the greatest seasons in God's presence ever. They had a move of God in their nation. In 1 Samuel, the Spirit of God moved on a young boy named David, who was not a king at the time, who fought the nine-foot Philistine giant that had the Israel army all hunkered down. He did it by the Spirit of God moving upon him, giving him the strength and courage to defeat the giant. The Spirit of God often moved upon Samson, giving him supernatural strength. And in the New Testament, he continued to move upon men of God. The Word of God was written by men as he breathed upon them. He moved on John the Baptist as he cried out in the wilderness, declaring, Prepare ye the way of the Lord. The Spirit of God moved upon Jesus that day also, proclaimed, this is my son, whom I'm well pleased. Can I tell you that every time God's people found themselves in trouble with their backs against the wall, God moved upon them. And I declare it's still true today as we find ourselves in a troubled nation and an enemy who is surrounding us. And God is sending a divine visitation of the Spirit to move upon us, people, and this nation. He moved in Wells, sparking a revival. He moved in Azusa, sparking a great revival. He moved in Pensacola, sparking revival. He moved this year in, Pensacola, in California on the beach. He moved at a tent revival last month in New York. He's still moving throughout this nation today. 
This is an hour of divine visitation, and we cannot afford to miss the move of his spirit. We better learn how to pursue, press in, stretch forth, lift up, and bow down in his presence in this hour of his visitation. We are living in the last days, and he declared two things would take place during these times. He said the perilous times would come, and he said he would pour out his spirit. He knew this darkness would be upon the earth, but he already made a divine appointment, already scheduled a visitation of his spirit to move upon his people in the toughest times we're to ever know. Folks, that hour is here. We're closer than ever to the second coming of Jesus Christ. Every day that passes makes us just one step closer. Throughout history, everywhere Jesus' presence was, a move of God followed them. Jesus didn't come for the well. He came for the most wicked, messed up, lowly, hurt, and broken people on this earth, the sick. And during his visitation upon earth, multitudes of sick people were healed. The lost were found. The bound were set free. Families were destroyed. The dead were raised. Blinded eyes were opened. The lame walked again. Deaf ears were opened. Idols were torn down. The lives of prostitutes were turned around. Demons were cast out. And the world was turned upside down for the glory of the Lord. Come on, somebody. That's a move of God. Hallelujah. He did it then, and he wants to do it again. I said, we need to move. We need to move. But in order for God to move, we need to move. We have a divine appointment with God's presence in this hour, but I'm afraid we're missing it. We're not pressing in. We're too casual. And yes, critical. This place is electrified with his presence. I said, this place is electrified with his presence. You might say, I don't feel it. Maybe it's because you choose to remain in the outer court. Perhaps you try entering to the inner court. How many know when the presence is here, we have to enter into it, press into it? If not, we miss his visitation. His plan for this moment. As I've read in Matthew, Mark, Luke, and all the many things Jesus did for the sick and afflicted, the lowliest of the low, there was a certain group that did not get in on the move. It may shock you who it was when I tell you who missed the move. It wasn't Mary who was full of demons. She got delivered. It wasn't a thief on the cross that day being crucified. It wasn't blind Bartimaeus who Jesus healed. No, they didn't miss it. No, I tell you, miss it then, and who's going to miss it again? It was the religious people. They missed it. Those who had the prophets of old, the Torah in their hands, they heard the prophecies go out that he was coming. They'd even prayed for him to come. But when he showed up, when his presence was among them, they missed it. This message is to church people who sat in church all their life and haven't become anything more than religious folks who have sat for too long pointing their religious fingers down the throats of a generation after generation, filling their minds with simply the do's and the don'ts. They're telling a hungry generation, it don't take all that. Sit down and shut up, you're in church. Oh, I'm probably going to hurt somebody's spiritual pride tonight, but religious piety stinks in the nostrils of God. Religious piety is nothing more than kryptonite to the kingdom of God. It's destroying more lives than we understand. It's hindering the move of God more than you know. Many have sat and they pray for it, but when it shows up, they don't even recognize it because it don't line up with their religious philosophies. Even with them knowing the prophecies, the religious protocol many churches have endorsed has affected the lives of people who had a chance, but through the formalities, they became lost in the house. We can be religious and feel good all about ourselves if we want, or we can be Christians and feel good about others who just like us who have messed up, jacked up lives, get to have the same opportunity we had to be saved, delivered, and set free. If you don't think there's more to God than what you have already experienced, if you things have gotten too bad, things have gotten too bad for God to change them, you're religiously correct, 
but you are righteously wrong. The greatest enemy of what could be is your familiarity and the comfort of what was. If you can't recognize the move of God because it don't look like it looked like 20 years ago, then you'll miss this move. It broke my heart when I really took a moment to digest. The moment recorded in the pages of my Bible when Jesus is fixing to make a triumphal entry into Jerusalem. And upon him seeing this city and think of all the people in this city he had visited numerous times, he begins to weep. He was grieved in his heart because he sees people that had a divine opportunity but missed it. I can only imagine how many things went through his mind. The memories of all the rejections, the attacks upon his life. He had left the splendor of heaven, wrapped himself in flesh to come and seek and save that which is lost. And although he touched so many people's lives, so many never received him and missed the divine presence of God. They literally had a divine opportunity to experience a move of God. The religious folks should have been celebrating his presence. Instead, they were busy planning his crucifixion. Shouting, free Barabbas. Set the murderer free. Kill this Jesus. Why did they miss the move? I'll tell you why. For the same reason this generation is going to miss this move. They couldn't see who he was because religion blinded them. They had it all figured out what he would look like, what he would act like. He would be a lion and not a lamb. Like so many today, they think they got it all figured out. What it will look like when the presence here. How people stack when it gets here. Did you miss where God said, behold, I do a new things and now it shall spring forth? This move isn't like any other move. It's going to be more than a revival. It's going to be an awakening because the church has went to sleep. A great theologian who experienced the first great awakening in the 1700s said this. They needed a great awakening because the churches were becoming lifeless and going farther away from God's will. And here we are in the 21st century repeating this failure. Let me give you some reasons why folks are going to miss this move. Number one, because God is going to move through people you least suspect. If you're going to get in on this move, you're going to have to have a heart sensitive of what God's up to. You're going to have a discerning spirit, not a predetermined mindset. When you see the unusual things, unusual things coming from the unusual, the prophet Samuel almost missed what God was up to because he couldn't see what God was up to. He couldn't see that God could use a little Rudy boy named David to be the king of Israel. The prophet already made up his mind who God would use and what they would look like. David's seven brothers all looked like who he thought God would use. Any one of the seven, he thought, all big, tall, strong warriors. But God said no. Then when David, the least likely, showed up and he saw him, God said to Samuel, he's the one. If you're only listening to men with titles and TV programs, it's a sign of your spiritual immaturity and you're going to miss this move. God's going to move through folks who don't got titles and PhDs. Common men who don't speak eloquently, but don't dress to kill. No names who are underprivileged or perhaps even undereducated in things of this world. But through men and women who have a relationship with God, who get along with him and listen to the voice of God. And they obey his word and stand up and declare, thus saith the Lord of God. I'm going to tell you something. The eagles of men have starved out the glory of God for too long. The most powerful preacher I ever heard was a peasant woman in China. God raised a dead man through her. Yet outside of her village, don't nobody know her name. But she can preach and Acts 2 begins to happen in the room and the furniture will literally start to shake. The true prophets of this hour are not necessarily going to be media popular. Wearing a three-piece suit with gold cufflinks, looking all GQ and a teen idol. No, there's going to be men and women who've been alone with God. 
in the secret place, receiving divine instruction for God. They could be in this church. They could be living in your neighborhood, or they could even be living down in the hood. If you're not willing to listen to those who've been anointed and appointed, you will miss this move. Just watch out what Mincy does. I'm talking about you. The people in Jerusalem looked at Jesus and said, he can't be the Messiah. He's a carpenter's son. He's a servant. He's not a king. Where is his sword? All great warriors have weapons. And where is his white stallion? This man rides a donkey. Be careful you don't miss a move of God because you can't discern people. God's going to move in these last days through some of the most unlikely people. Pulpits are currently full of highly educated, eloquent speakers who can stir a crowd with their charisma but can't harbor a move of God because of no anointing. Because they're man-appointed, not God-appointed. And God is looking on the inward heart of the man while the religious folks are looking on the outward appearance. Are they charismatic? Do they dress well? Do they have a wall of degrees? Have they been to seminary? And God's going to raise up men and women that when they speak, their words are going to literally break demonic strongholds. Hallelujah. Causing moves not sanctioned by a certain denomination to take place that are going to expand throughout this nation, sparking a move of God. And we can either be a part of what God's doing or fall asleep and miss it. Now, I'm not preaching against church structure or denomination. I'm preaching against religious systems that keep God's presence out of the church. I'm so thankful that in this move, God is raising up men and women of God who don't have to have persuasive words to be used. That the truth of his word alone will be enough to change hearts. The hour is coming when men and women are going to be like Paul, walking into a pulpit under the power of God and preach and declare, I don't come with you to you with enticing words of man's wisdom, but in the demonstration of his spirit and the power of God Almighty do I come. You better be careful you don't write off a move of God because the people God decides to move through. They're going to be bold, and they're going to stand toe-to-toe with the enemy. And declare, thus saith the Lord. And the Spirit of God is going to fall upon people's hearts. Some say he's too young, and some will say, well, he's too old. Can I tell you there's, the age is not a prerequisite to housing the anointing? Get your eyes off the man and open up your ears and hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church through a chosen, willing vessel. Peter almost missed the move of God when he told God, I refuse to eat anything unclean. God rebuked him and said, how dare you call unclean what I have cleaned? Number two, people are going to miss the move of God because God is going to move in different places. And they're not going to receive it as a move. When they told us we can't meet inside the church during the pandemic, God started moving on the beaches. God started moving in the streets. God started moving in the parks. God started moving in our homes. God started moving through the internet. He's not just going to keep moving in the same old places. You see, when it's revival, he moves here and there, like he did in Pensacola. You had to go there to experience it. But in an awakening, he moves across the whole nation in some of the most, the most the least likely, unlikely places and towns. See, I thought God would have started his movement in Jerusalem in the temple. Nope. Started out in the wilderness. I thought he would have chosen a priest to start it. Nope. He used a man named John the Baptist. I, I thought he'd be wearing a priestly robe. Nope. He wore a camel's hair coat and ate locusts and wild honey. And everybody left the city and went to the wilderness that day because they didn't want to miss the move. They heard this man crying in the wilderness, boldly declaring to the religious crowd, you vipers, you snakes, repent for the kingdom of heaven's hand. There's one coming at me whose shoes I'm not even worthy to latch. He announces his presence. Behold, the lamb who takes away the sins of the world. God's going to move in these last days to some of the most unusual people in some of the most unusual places. Why different places? 
to break familiarity and formalities and ritualistic services and religious circles. He's going to move in places like Popper Bluff, Missouri. In Barrett, West Virginia. You say, where's that? I don't know. That's my point. I did look it up. It's a coal mounting town with a population of 781 people. All I know is that it could happen there. All across this nation. The move is going to be wherever he's invited and received by the hearts of people who want a real, genuine move of his spirit and are willing to prepare for his visitation. Third, people are going to miss the move of God because God's moving in different ways. He's doing new things in new places through new people, through new methods. People who believe he's going to move, only going to move like you saw him move 5, 10, 20 years ago, you're going to miss this move. If people were just as consumed with worrying about God being in the church house, as so many are about worrying who's in the White House. Come on. Where's the God chasers? Get ready. We're going to start seeing things we've never seen before. There are three blind men mentioned in the Bible. One in the book of John, one in the book of Mark, and there's one mentioned in the book of Matthew. Jesus healed all three. But notice, each time he did it in a different way. In John, he took mud in his hands and spit in it and placed it in his eyes. In Mark, he simply touched the blind men's eyes. In Matthews, he spoke to the blind man's eyes. Who cares how he does it as long as he still heals the blind? Methods change, but the message never changes. Too often we crucify people who change methods. We don't like change. We get used to and caught up in certain styles of music and certain styles of preaching. If the music wants to make you dance, it's carnal. If the preacher yells real loud, he's got to be anointed. If they're going to sing those songs, I'm sitting down. If he's going to preach tonight, I'm staying home. Come on, somebody. And what's all those bright lights and flashing lights about? All these colors on the wall. Why you got to be so loud? Looks like a concert hall in here. Have you ever really read what it's going to be like in heaven? If not, let me help you. It says in the book of Revelations chapter 4. You can look it up. It reads like this. From the throne proceeded thunder and lightning and voices. That means in the throne room in heaven, it's going to be loud with flashing lights. There's going to be seven stones of different colors. That means there's going to be a lot of colors in the throne room shining on the walls. It says there's going to be voices shouting. Four living creatures, each having six wings, crying out around the altar. Holy, holy, holy. So we have a few colored lights on the stage, and they do flash. And we do get a little loud sometimes in here with the music. Probably sounds like thunder to some folks. And we got people in here shouting with their voices. And at times, they get to crying around the altar seals. So what's the problem with it? It looks and sounds a little like heaven here to me. Come on, somebody. Now, preaching like that, I hurt the feelings of religious folks. Don't miss the move of God because you don't like the new methods. I promise you that fog machine that you don't understand don't stop God's glory from falling in here. If it hinders you, then you've lost your focus. It should be on Jesus, and you're going to miss the move of God over your religious views and opinions. There are churches that are going to miss this move of God because the religious dynasties have been built and people refuse to change. But you know who didn't miss, miss the move of God in Jesus' day? The humble, the brokenhearted. The hurting, the sick, and the afflicted. Regardless of the religious opposition in Jesus' day, Jesus still found a way to get his presence to them like 
the woman with the issue of blood, like blind Bartimaeus, like the disciples, like Larry, Mary Magdalene, like the woman who was caught in adultery, like the woman at the well, like the demoniac in the graveyard, like the man with the withered hand, like Peter's mother-in-law, like Jairus' daughter, just to name a few. I'd be here all night to list them all. But the religious folks missed him. And it grieved Jesus' heart because so many missed what he came to do in their city. He said it was their hour. And if anybody should have known it, it should have been them. They had read it. They had heard it prophesied. They even prayed for it. Yet they missed it because of their religious piety. I say to the walls of religion, whether you come down or not, God will find a way to get around you to get through to those who need him the most. And I pray earnestly all the time, it seems like, God, don't let us miss this move. I want to see him move all over this nation, creating an awakening. But I am too concerned many will miss the hour of his visitation as they did in Jerusalem. But God, please don't let us miss it here at the Palace of Praise in Popper Bluff, Missouri. Because to me, it's okay if you want to use the least likely. This is where my church is. This is where my family is. And we need to move. I wonder how many times has Jesus sat and wept over this city, wept over this church, wept over this nation. How many times he sent a visitation, but we missed it, or we criticized it, or we rejected it because of religious views and practices, because we fell asleep, because of our complacency, because we have let despair blind us, because we believe what CNN said over what the Word of God says, that no weapon formed against us shall prosper, because we believe what Oprah said over what the Word of God said, when the enemy comes in like a flood, God shall rise up a standard, because we believe what someone said on Facebook over what the Word of God said. When you pass through the waters, I'll be with you. When you pass through the rivers, I'll not sweep over you. When you walk through the fire, you'll not be burned. The flames will not set you ablaze. It's time to take a moment and turn off the TV and the phone so you can hear what the Spirit of the Lord is saying to the church in this hour. Whose report do you believe? I shall believe the report of the Lord. Jesus wept when he saw the city, when he thought of how detrimental his visitation was to that city. Oh, Jerusalem. Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it. How often would I would have gathered you, your children together, as a hen gathers her brood under her wings, and you were not willing. If we miss this move, it's going to be detrimental to our city and the people of this city, even to our nation that is currently in turmoil. How detrimental will it be? It will be as Jesus said in Luke 19, 43. Four days will come upon you when the enemies will build an embankment around you, surrounding you and closing on every side and level you and your children uh, within you to the ground. Church, this is happening to our nation literally right now as I speak. Our enemies are closing in on us. Evil is surrounding us. He's after us, but not just us, but especially our children. And he goes on to say, they will not leave in you one stone upon another. The enemy has come to steal, kill, and destroy us. Why will this happen? He says why. Because you didn't know the time of your visitation. 
Because you missed the move of God, you missed my plan. You didn't enter into my presence. You didn't hide under the wings of the Almighty where you could be safe. Pride stood in your way. Religion stifled you. Heresy deceived you. Wealth bought you. Lies defeated you. Fears scared you and self-ruled you. With Madam move of God, we're going to raise up a whole generation that does not know God. Because it's his desire of this, because it is the desire of this woke movement to cancel him out. That's why we need a move of God that causes a movement that awakens the church, that awakens this sleeping giant. If they should sleep through it in California, in New York City, in Albuquerque, Mexico, oh God, please awaken us here in Southeast Missouri to the move of your spirit. Our children need to experience your presence. Church, we need a move. Would the praise team come? Tonight, I came to rebuke every religious spirit that hinders a move of God. I speak boldly by God's authority to the spirit of the Antichrist. I bind you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. And I came to remind us all, it was the Lord who brought us out of our sinful lives. And our righteousness is filthy as rags. I don't know about you. I can't speak for you. But for me, I was like Paul. I was the chiefest of sinners before I was ever saved. But by God's grace and my faith in Jesus Christ, he redeemed me with his precious blood. I'm never going to forget where I came from to where I am now. He's brought me a mighty long way. And I don't know why he chose to use me. I've tried to tell him over several occasions he made a mistake. But he just keeps saying, I don't make mistakes. And I'm praying for his presence. I'm watching for him. I'm willing to change so I don't miss it. Church, now more than ever, we need to move. And if you want to be a part of this move, listen. We're given instructions how to be the church in this darkness. Luke 21, 36, he says, but keep alert at all times. Be attentive, ready, and awake. Praying that you may have the strength and ability to be found worthy to escape all the things that are going to take place and to stand in the presence of the Son of Man. Surely, the presence of the Lord is in this place. Would you stand with me? If you've heard the word of the Lord tonight, and you've taken it to heart, and if you say, God, awaken me, let me not sleep through this move. Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. I want to see you. If you say, I don't want to miss it. If you say, I'm even willing to change. And then if you're here tonight, perhaps you're sick, afflicted, beat down, tired, weary, overwhelmed with troubles. In just a minute, I'm going to ask you to step out from where you're at. To come to this altar and stand in his presence like he has instructed. To come and step in a move if you truly believe he's here. See, church, we got a lot of things going on. Yes, a lot of things are wrong. But we've got something the world don't have. And it dwells in here. He dwells in our hearts. And regardless of what happens to us, regardless of what goes on around us, as long as we will stand in his presence and enter in his presence, God 
will take care of us. He'll take care of those whom he loves. He'll watch over and keep us. We've got to get to the place that we understand. Probably every time, the time we leave this church, we need to come and enter into his presence. We shouldn't just come and sit. We should enter into his presence. So I'm going to ask you, if you would, all across this place, would you come and stand in his presence and let God move on your life, on the things of your life, your sickness, your health, whatever is going on in your life, your troubles, bring them to God tonight. And would you come, please, and stand in his presence? I ask you, as the praise team begins to play, would you step out and find you a place in this altar? And we should come down here to pray, or we should come down here to praise. We should lay hands on one another. We should pray for those who are in need. And we should enter into the presence of the Lord. Go ahead, praise team. Stars. 